Welcome to The Job, where we discuss tips and strategies for reducing stress and preventing burnout in the police. I'm Johnny Bevan and I'm the Police Burnout Coach and currently a serving police detective with 16 years experience in a variety of roles ranging from uniform policing, proactive squads, covert policing and child protection. I'm going to be sharing proven strategies on how to reduce anxiety, eliminate overwhelm, stop procrastinating and worrying what other people think so that you can become more productive and bring calm and balance to your life no matter what you're faced with. We're also going to talk about how to build trust and confidence in yourself so you can stop needing constant reassurance and validation from others to know that you're doing a good job. Working in the police doesn't have to be stressful and I'm going to show you how. So let's dive in. Hello and welcome and today we're going to be talking about the brain. I think this is a really good place to start because for me you have to have an understanding of how the brain works to be able to reduce your stress. This doesn't mean you've got to be a neurobiologist or anything like that. In fact what I believe is the simpler you make it the more effective it is and that's what I'm going to be sort of sharing with you today what I've learned about the brain and how I've simplified that down and how I use that on a day-to-day basis to manage my stress and stop going into those cycles that get us into burnout. So the first thing you have to know about the brain is it's not there to make you happy. I'm sorry to tell you that as much as we all want to be happy all the time and I'm going to be doing other podcasts on that as a whole other topic. The brain has evolved solely for survival. That's all it, that's all it wants is to perpetuate our survival. And the way it does that is it seeks pleasure, it avoids pain, and it tries to conserve energy. It wants to be efficient. So in simple terms, anything that leads to pleasure and avoids pain, the brain is going to want to do again. And obviously, this worked really well during the evolution of our human species. If you think back 300,000 years ago, as we were going through like the caveman days, there was danger everywhere. There was saber-toothed tigers. Anything new would kill us. You know, always a threat. We wanted to be part of a tribe because if we didn't fit in with that tribe, then we would be outside the tribe, which meant starvation, death, and we were probably going to be eaten by that saber-toothed tiger. And so our brain has evolved to survive and it's constantly looking for danger. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you when this happens. It's just that is how your brain works. And it's what it does. It goes to the future and it's predicting and simulating. And you can probably all relate to this where you've got something coming up. Maybe it's a court trial or something like that. And you, your brain is already going forward and you can almost picture yourself there and it's predicting what's going to happen. But because it's geared for survival and it wants to avoid any sort of pain... What it does is it predicts the worst case scenario. It doesn't often consider the, oh, that it's all going to go really well. It would just present the worst case scenario to you. Of course, then we believe this to be true. And then we live in this place of anxiety and fear. But in truth, what I found is that prediction of the future is very rarely true. But in the moment, it seems so true. And the, that's all the brain is presenting to us. <clears throat> so, first of all, I want you to know that if this happens to you, if you find yourself like feeling anxious before work, 
that drive-in or maybe the day before you're feeling that anxiety, nothing's gone wrong for you. It is perfectly natural. It's just your brain skipping to the future and going, there could be a danger. And then it's bringing that up to the present and then it's also going, let's do something about it. But we don't understand how the brain works. So then we just end up staying in anxiety and overwhelm and not really doing anything about it. And, and actually believing the story it's telling us. And it just can sometimes feel really awful. So when we think now that our brain is looking for all this danger, but this, this danger like we used to have doesn't really exist now. But I think in the police, it's quite unique because sometimes we are faced with this danger and we want this part of the brain still functioning when we're going through doors, you know, to arrest people, um, when we're foot chases or whatever we're doing. That part of the brain is actually can be very beneficial because it's highlighting the worst case scenario and helps us prepare for that. But where it's not working is in our day to day life. In our, when we're sat, especially if you're a detective, like I am, so if you're sat in the office, when we've got a looming deadline, when we've got a colleague who's said something to us, when we've received some criticism or something like that, that, or the CPS memo, that is when it is not benefiting us. But our brain doesn't know the difference between a real threat of death and this other threat this deadline. It just thinks there's something bad coming up and we're going to die. And this is why when this brain is out of control and it's sort of running the show, we can really feel stressed and overwhelmed and be procrastinating. And then we go home worrying about jobs, worrying about things we've done, worrying about things coming up. And it can just exhaust us. But what I want to say is we're not going to eliminate this part of the brain. This has evolved, like I say, over 300,000 years, and we are pretty much stuck with it. Now, don't let that be the bad news because we have got a saving grace because we've also, our brain has evolved. If you look, I like to think of the brain as two parts in simple terms. You've got this primitive part of the brain, which has evolved from our, from our caveman ancestors, and we've also got this thinking part of the brain, this bit over the top, which we can use to manage this other part. And this is really important to understand sort of in simple terms how this works, because this can help you in how you respond to situations. So if you think you've got this primitive brain and that is constantly looking for danger, it's always on the lookout. You're not going to stop it. And it gives you that feedback by the way of an emotion. You're going to feel a certain feeling. And so the first thing you might notice is you won't necessarily see the thoughts that your brain is creating, but you're going to notice the feeling. Maybe that's anxiety. So before you go to work, you start feeling the anxiety and you're not actually even at work. So the threat isn't there, but your brain has unconsciously gone forward and gone, oh, there's something to worry about here. And then it creates this anxiety and then it's sort of going, come on, let's take action. But like I say, that is going to be predicting that worst case scenario. But what we've got is this rational part of the brain, which we can question this primitive part with. But the problem is when this primitive part kicks off, 
it is so much quicker because it's because it's a survival part. So if you think if you were in any sort of situation where you're faced with sort of certain death or danger, you haven't got time to think about it and analyse it and wonder, is that dangerous? And I always like think of like if you were sort of walking through, if you're over in somewhere like Canada and you're walking through and you see a bush rustle and your brain goes, oh, I wonder what that's like. And sort of then you get inquisitive in that and suddenly it's a bear, you're going to end up obviously probably regretting that curiosity. So the brain just automatically anticipates that's going to be something bad. And it does that prediction and simulation of something big and nasty coming out and possibly eating us. But then when something comes out of the bush and it's, I don't know, some sort of rabbit or something like that, then our brain, our rational brain can kick in and reset and go, oh no, everything's safe. But when this, at the point when this primitive brain kicks off, because it's survival based, it's so much stronger than the other part of the brain. So it actually sort of disengages it. It goes, we don't need that rational thinking part of the brain. We're going to get you out of danger. And then we start making lots of decisions and we react in certain ways, which often we, we regret. <clears throat> but there are ways that we can then engage this rational part of the brain, but understanding that it's not as quick. So when we do sort of go off and we start spiraling, we can just take a pause and actually learn to engage this other part of the brain. And the thing as well I want to say is your brain fills in gaps. So have you ever done this when um, something happens and you're so sure of the story? So you go, oh, I know what they meant by that or I know exactly why they did that. And you don't actually know. You have these set of facts. So you've seen something, but your brain has filled in all these gaps. I was speaking to someone the other day and they, they said about how they'd um, lost something. And they were sure that actually someone had taken it. And they said, oh, that's definitely what happened. That's definitely what happened. And actually, all they knew is they'd left this thing somewhere and anything could have happened to it. Someone, you know, someone could have picked it up. The staff could have taken it where they left it. All these th potential scenarios. But their brain filled in the gap. It predicted what had happened. And then they believed this story. And this can cause real problems for us because we don't ever question it. But we can question it from this um, more rational part of the brain. And we're going to go on to how to do that in a minute. But the important thing to know about your primitive brain is that it sees any sort of failure as a threat. So if you think back when in our caveman days, if you failed, if you went on a hunt and that didn't work and you were injured, then it's going to be death. Uh, it thinks that any sort of judgment or criticism is bad. And so it's always comparing. It's wondering where we are in the tribe and it's looking for reassurance. It's because you think back in those caveman days, if you weren't useful in that tribe, you'd be kicked out. You And if you're outside the tribe, as we said before, that's not going to be very good. You're probably not going to survive. But of course, now someone's judgment or criticism of us is just there's no real threat. They Someone just has an opinion of us. And that's all that happens our brain goes to the worst case scenario we've all been there where <clears throat> we've made a mistake at work and suddenly our brain spirals and suddenly thinks we've lost our job we've lost our house and it's do and it's going to that place 
And we sort of attach and believe that, that story, that part of the brain. When actually, if we engage our rational part of the brain and said, okay, that's the worst case scenario, but what is actually likely? What, is, what, what are the other options here? And this is what we can learn to do. But having that understanding that nothing's gone wrong for you that you don't like failure or that you fear other people's opinions, it's just a part of your brain that has evolved to help you, to, it's, evolved to, it's evolved to help you get where you are today. But now you don't often need it. But like I say, it's not going anywhere. So we're going to learn to manage it. <clears throat> and I always think your ability to manage your stress is directly associated with your ability to manage that part of your brain. And adding self-judgment and criticism is really common once people become aware of this sort of negative part of the brain, this primitive part that's trying to look out for us. They then get very angry with it and sort of, wish they could get rid of it. <clears throat> but that just adds further pain and then just compounds the issue. So what I'm going to talk about now is how to manage this part and how I've done it. And it's had really, really profound effects for me. And like I said, the first thing to do is understand that you're not going to eliminate it. It is not going away. It, you, you, you've got to appreciate that this part of the brain is there and we want it there. If you go and step out in front of a car and suddenly you just hear it. So if you step out in the road, and you suddenly hear a car come whizzing around the corner. It's that part of the brain that helps you jump back on the pavement before you've taken in all the information. So even if someone could take it away from you, I wouldn't suggest that would be a good idea because then you might be just walking out in the road, getting run over. You'd be walking up to all sorts of dangerous animals and if someone's waving a machete around in the street you wouldn't you would just have no concern for it and obviously that could cause you harm so we don't want it gone we just want to manage it in the situations where it's not benefiting us and the way that i do this is to think of it simply as the two brains the primitive brain and the rational brain and what I do is I name the, pri the primitive brain. And I find this really useful. Now, a lot of people, when they come to coaching, sort of go, especially cops, because we're not very role play type people, are we? We hate anything like that. And they go, yeah, OK, all right. Yeah, all right, John, thanks for that. But I'm, uh, I won't be doing that. But I find as they go through, eventually, the problems they come up against, they see the benefit of naming that part of the brain. And the reason you name it is because it's not going away and you need to get a relationship with it. You need to learn to listen to it and understand it and have compassion for it. Because if you can't go up against it, if anyone's read The Chimp Paradox, he refers to that primitive part as the chimp. And he says, you think of a chimp is really strong, is powerful. So when it kicks off and goes, we're in danger, run, and you go and you start trying to fight it, it's gonna fight back and it's so much stronger than you. But that part of the brain, that primitive part, can't actually do anything unless we agree with it, with the irrational part of the brain. So what we wanna do is get this relationship with it, understand it, listen to it, and learn not to respond from it. And one of the best ways I find this is just to sit. It's as simple as that. 
So a lot of us will wake up in the morning, we're not, say we're not feeling that great, and the first thing we do is we want to take that away. Maybe we're having a coffee or we do things to make ourselves feel better. My advice is just sit and listen to that part of the brain. I find first thing in the morning is probably one of my worst times. And it, I think it's just because my rational part of the brain hasn't kicked in. So I'll have lots of negative thoughts whirring around. And if I go, if I go about my day being guided by those, my day is generally quite bad. So the first thing I'll do is get up, I'll go downstairs and I'll just recognise that and I'll just sit and I will just listen and watch my thoughts and you'll notice that they're everywhere like they're bouncing all the things that come into your head and you'll want to distract from it but just watch them and notice it and then I'll write everything down and I think this is really really important because if you write everything down what you do is you get it out of your head and you see it for what it is you see all those thoughts are in your brain, just as sentences in your mind, and you can see them and then you can watch them. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to become the observer of our brain. Because what we do is we believe this story, we get attached to it. But actually, when we can see all our fears written down and our compassion go, actually, this is coming from this really old part of the brain that's just going and looking for danger everywhere. And then we can just see it for what it is. And then we can start detaching from it and not believing it. And this is a big difference to other self-help stuff that you'll hear. Because a lot of people go, oh, you just got to think positive. You just got to think positive. Well, actually, what I've learned is it's learning to understand those negative thoughts that come from that part of the brain. Because if you can watch them and observe them and detach from them, then it's not a problem that they're there. All that's going to happen is they're going to come up and they're going to go. And that is really the work you've got to do before you can move on to sort of more positive, intentional thinking. I always used to have an issue when I was under against any sort of tight timescales. I automatically went into a state of panic and I'd be flustered and rushing around and my and getting my work done just was really quite stressful. But actually having an understanding of my brain and how it worked really helped me to overcome that. Because I realised it wasn't the time scale I was under. It wasn't the, the job I was doing that was the problem. It was this part of the brain, this primitive part that was going to the future and then predicting some sort of problem. And for me, what it was, was my brain was saying, you're going to miss something. But I couldn't see that that was the problem until I actually sat there and observed it. And to do that was a certain amount of discomfort, but that discomfort moved me on. Whereas just staying in a state of panic really kept me in a quite a horrible place. And then I would feel quite anxious when other jobs would come up, especially when any sort of time scale, which we're faced with a lot in the police, sort of was in play. So all I did was I would go into those situations with real curiosity and compassion and sort of go, let's see what's going on here. And I would just watch myself and I'd listen to that part of the brain. And literally as soon as I was under a time scale, 
And I remember once when I had to go and uh, video interview someone and I wanted a lot more time to prep and I didn't have that time because it had all been booked in. I thought I'm going to miss something. And my brain just was straight away thinking worst case scenario. You're going to miss something. You're going to mess the job up. It's going to be awful. You're going to be judged. But what I come to realise was that part of the brain was just doing its job. It thought it was looking out for me. It's like a security guard that's looking out and it's just getting it wrong. And if I tried to fight that and go, why am I like this? I see other people that were calm. Why am I like this? That just made it worse. But having an understanding for it and going and listening to it and going, I hear what you're saying, but we're going to be okay. And what I realised was I had to start building trust and self-confidence in myself so that when those thoughts came up from that part of the brain, I didn't react to them. And now those thoughts are so much less. And when they do come up, I don't have a reaction to them. So now I can work under really tight timescales and not be in a state of panic and overwhelm. And I can actually be in a sense of like calm and control. And that for me <clears throat> has been a real gift being in the police because we're always against timescales, aren't we? There's always some job by the time everyone's thought about who's dealing with it that instead of 16 hours on the clock we've got six but we still got to deal with it and but when we're dealing with it from a place of stress it's really quite exhausting and then we dread it the next time but when we understand how this brain works then we can get control over it and this is really what coaching is coaching is really just learning to engage that rational part of the brain and not responding to that primitive one and if I'm going to share you, with you more tips as we go through on how to do that. But this is really the first thing you need to do. So what I want you to do after you go away from this is just notice your brain. Just notice your thoughts. Notice the story that your brain is telling you. And just don't believe it. Just consider it. Just consider that there could be another version. So when someone sends you an email, and your brain makes a decision of how that was, how, what the intention was that was sent by. Just look at it and go, is that really the case? Do I know that? When you've got a job that you're going out to and your brain goes, this is going to be a nightmare. This is going to be griefy. Before you've even started the job, just consider that might not be true. And just watch, the most important thing is watch what you do and how you respond when you attach and believe that part of your brain. So my advice, go away and name it. My I named mine Brian, and that was mainly because I was driving home one day, and when I was stuck in traffic, I quickly jotted down. Um, I, I was writing something about the brain, I misspelt it. I was like, ah, Brian, yeah, and it just misspelled it as Brian. And I've, so I named this part Brian, and I know Brian is always looking out for me. He's always... Um, trying to keep me safe so if I wake up and I think I'm going to be late he's going to go oh you're going to be judged and he's going to make me feel panic but I can just go it's fine Brian there's no issue here we got this and I can just watch him and listen to him and because I've got this relationship with him I have compassion for him and I love him and I know I'm not then trying to push him away it's part of me I know I've got to learn to live with and manage and not eliminate so that's all I've got for you today. And if you, if, it's, if 
you want to know more about this, then please don't hesitate to get in contact. Probably the easiest way is through my email, johnnybevan at outlook.com. It's J-O-N-N-Y-B-E-V-A-N at outlook.com. Nearly forgot to spell my own name there. <laughs> um, or I'm on Instagram, Johnny Bevan, and I'm also on Facebook. And so if you so if you want if you want any more information, please don't hesitate to contact. But there's going to be lots more content coming out on this podcast, and I really thank you for listening to it. And if you if you hear anyone, if you know anyone that you think would benefit from this, please, please just forward it on to them. And I wish you all the best, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening today. And if you know of anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please forward it on to them. And if you want to know any more, then please do not hesitate to email me at johnnybevan at outlook.com. That's J-O-N-N-Y-B-E-V-A-N at outlook.com. And also follow me on Instagram at Johnny Bevan or on Facebook. I am Johnny Bevan, the police burnout coach. Have a great time and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.